David, I love that candle you're burning. You seem to always have a great candle burning. I am very aware of how room smells. When you've spent over a decade with a 75 pound Labrador retriever and two teenage boys, you start to worry that your house smells like the inside of a gym bag. I would imagine so. You know what I wish we'd had for the last decade? What? That Puro Air Purifier we now own and use all the time. I love my Puro Air too. Did you know that indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? Yes, I lived with two teenage boys. I can 100% testify <laughs> to that. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Gases from a preteen boy? <laughs> I'm dreading when my nephews start making those gases. Just you wait. Thankfully, Puro Air uses a stronger type of filter called HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. You wouldn't drink unfiltered tap water, so why would you breathe unfiltered air? Thanks to my Puro Air Purifier, I feel like I can breathe again. Check it out at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time, getpuroair.com. Check it out now. Welcome to the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. I'm Sissy Goff. I'm David Thomas. And I'm Melissa Trevathan. And we're so glad you've set aside a few minutes to spend with us today. In each episode of this podcast, we'll share some of what we're learning in the work we do with kids and families on a daily basis at Daystar Counseling in Nashville, Tennessee. Our goal is to help you care for the kids in your life with a little more understanding, a little more practical help, and a whole lot of hope. So pull up a chair and join us on this journey from our little yellow house to yours. David, I can't believe we're so close to Christmas. I love that season. I can't believe it either. Have you started your shopping? Not yet, but I may need to start thinking ahead. My only complaint is that once the Hallmark Christmas movies start up, I lose half my extended family to the television. <laughs> David, you could sound more informed if you checked out our neighbors at the TSF Network, Deck the Hallmark Podcast. Yes, I could. Join Brand, Dan, and friends as they attempt to watch and review made-for-TV movies. Just a bunch of pals watching made-for-TV movies. Brandon Gray and Daniel Thompson are two dads from South Carolina and the hosts of Deck the Hallmark, a podcast that has been ranked in Apple Podcasts Top 15 overall and Top 5 comedy. Within the first year, the program received 1 million downloads and was featured on Good Morning America and Nightline and in the pages of O, Southern Living, Cosmopolitan, and Esquire. Episodes are released daily. More information can be found at deckthehallmark.com. Jamie Ivey is the creator and host of the popular podcast, The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey, a central gathering place for talking about life and Jesus. Author of If You Only Knew, You Be You, and her children's book, God Made You to Be You, Jamie and her husband, Aaron, make their home for six in Austin, Texas. Jamie, we are so excited to have you on the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. Thank you for being with us. 
Well, thank you for having me. I'm raising a bunch of boys and a girl, so I guess I can join in. (laughs) Yes. And I was thinking the way my brain works is I remember locations and I remember where I was sitting. I think I was sitting and you came off of an elevator in the convention center in Nashville. We were all at the same event and you and I started talking, and I remember going to David later and saying, I just met the most delightful person. Her name's Jamie Ivy. She was awesome. And then it feels like it was like three years before we intersected again in any way. But I actually, believe it or not, had the worst memory around, but I remember moments as well. And I remember that as well because you were sitting down. Yes. And I think you had some books with you or something. Look at this. <laughs> <Maybe> so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Oh, well, it's just fun to have watched you since then and all the amazing things you have put out into the world. Thanks, guys. So grateful. Yes. And in fact, that kind of leads me to my first question. Usually we talk with folks on the podcast about their latest work. And I think since I have talked to you, you have probably written five books and started three new podcasts. (laughs) You are doing so many things. So we want to hear obviously a little bit about your story and just how you got started with writing and podcasting and all the different things you're doing now. Yeah, well, thank you so much. And it does feel like I've written five books in the last year, which is not true, (laughs) but it feels like that a little bit. So a little bit of my podcasting journey. So I started my show, The Happy Hour, which Sissy has been on, and it's one of my top favorite episodes ever because it was really just a counseling session for me. I was like, anyone else can listen, (laughs) but this is just for me, people. We had a lot of fun. We did. I started the show in 2014. So it's been eight years and it's been a really, really fun ride. But The longest version of this story, cut down super short because who cares, is that in 2011, (laughs) I won a contest here in Austin, Texas to be a radio show DJ on a morning show. You did? Yes. Wow. (laughs) So there was an established morning show that I listened to. And one day I was driving and they said they were having an open casting call. And I had zero experience. I'd never been on stage. I'd never spoken into a microphone. Anything you see Jamie Ivey doing today was non-existent. I was a stay-at-home mom. I was going to go back to teaching school when my kids grew up and went back to school. So I just tried. I actually look back and I'm like, I don't even know who that Jamie Ivey is because that's a <laughs> little out of my comfort zone. Wow. But I sent in a demo in months and months and I ended up winning that job. And so I started a career, which I thought was going to be a career, and I loved it. You guys, I would show up in the morning and it was just so much fun. We went live at 6. But that was in 2011, and we'll probably talk about what I'm about to say next a little bit. In 2010, my last child came home through adoption. And so three of our kids joined our family through adoption. Our oldest is biological. So he joined our family in January of 2010 from Haiti. And this was a year later, and mom went to work full time, and it's like everything fell apart at my house. I mean, Mm. everything fell apart. And I had to make... I always say like one of the hardest decisions I've ever had to make because it didn't feel fair. I was like frustrated. Like I feel like I finally found something for myself and now my kids are keeping me from it. Mm. And that sounds drastic, but I prayed about it and really was like, and I would choose it a million times over. I would obviously choose my children. So I quit after four months. And wow, the only dynamic that had changed in our house was mom went to work full time. And so there was no questioning as to I needed to come home. And I'm grateful that I have the privilege to do that because being a stay-at-home mom is a privilege. And so anyhow, that put this little bug in me. And a couple of years later, I thought, I'm just going to try this thing. And so 
I just tried it. I recorded a podcast. I didn't know what I was doing. And here we are eight years later. Wow. And how many podcasts really do you have? Okay. So I have The Happy Hour. My husband and I have a show that we put two seasons out called On the Other Side. And then I'm hosting a podcast called Launch with my friend Lisa Whittle. And it's all about launching kids into the world, which really, Mm. I don't know why we're hosting it. We should have you guys hosting it, but whatever. (laughs) We're just two moms over here. Maybe we can come be on it with you sometime. I would adore. I would love love that that so much. And then we help people launch other podcasts as well. We have Ivy Media Podcast where we help people chase those dreams of podcasting. And it's just a lot of fun. That's amazing. It is. Unbelievable. (laughs) And as you're telling us about that work, you mentioned your family. Will you tell us a little bit more about your husband and your kids? Yeah. So my husband, Aaron, and I have been married almost 21 years. Congratulations. Thank you. He's a pastor here in Austin at the church we've been at for about, I don't know, 13, 14 years. And then we have four kids. Our oldest is our only biological. He is 18 graduating the time of this recording in just a few weeks, which is just, I could cry, even though I'm so deeply excited for him and what's ahead. And then our next is our son who came home from Haiti. He was four and a half when he came home. The next is the son that we adopted domestically. He was born in Texas. He's been with us since day one. And then the final little Ivy Bunch is our daughter who was also born in Haiti uh, and came home right around two years old. So that's us. We're just one big, crazy, loud people. And we got three dogs. We don't even know what we're doing with our life, except for it's just crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I just love hearing about that. I can picture. I mean, I feel like I've watched on social media. Maybe it was during the pandemic. Y'all would do a lot of things in your house. Yes. Uh I feel like I've lived in there a little bit with you all. Mm Mm-hmm. So we're so excited to talk to you about adoption and run across so many different folks who ask different questions about that. And so would love to hear how you felt called to adoption and what that journey has been like for you, that part of your story. You know, it's interesting because I had not thought or heard anything that I remember about adoption growing up as a child. I don't remember one person that I knew was adopted As a young adult, I don't remember hearing people talk about adoption. And so because three of our kids joined our family through adoption, a lot of people would assume like Aaron and I got married and we're like, you know what? We want to adopt one day. And honestly, that never came out of our mouths until it started happening. I just say it was God. And I don't even understand that fully except for I've walked this path. And so when we were newlyweds, we had our first son after we'd been married about a year and a half, which was a lot sooner than we had planned. But that's just how God works. And we were attending a church where a lot of families were adopting children, girls, particularly from China. And so it was kind of this first experience we'd ever seen of families being formed through adoption. We were so naive. I mean, I look back and I think about that girl and the things she said, the things she thought are embarrassing now as, you know, walking this road for almost 17 years. But it's all we knew. And so I remember I walked closely with a friend. We worked in the same place as she was bringing her daughter home. And it just, my eyes were just opened. And I had never even thought ever about this. And so when our son, our biological son was about nine months old, Aaron and I walked into an adoption agency, like two naive, not knowing a thing, kids, not a penny to their name, but we're like, hey, we don't know what we're doing. And we literally said to them, we have no idea, but we just want to see what it would look like for us to adopt. And at that time, at that agency, it was in Nashville, actually, they told us we have a really big need for parents who are willing and open to adopt biracial or black boys. And so, again, very naive. Uh, Yeah, sure. 
And so that's what led us on our first adoption. And then I went on a trip to Haiti and it sounds so crazy. We did not intend on walking this path and God just kept moving us down it because I have no idea if I have fertility issues, but we just, God just kept opening doors and we kept walking through them. And then the next thing you know, we have four kids. So that's, that's basically how it happened. The doors were opening, we wow. walked through and here we are, you know? Wow. And so wow. adoption is complex. You guys know this. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Mm-hmm. I've learned so much. I talk about it as a public person, as a very like general place, because these are my real kids with real lives and real stories and real emotions. And they did not ask for a mom who talks about adoption. Mm -hmm. And so it's been a beautiful, hard journey for everybody involved. Yeah, that's kind of how we got where we are now. Mm. Mm. Thank you. David, did you get your taxes finished? (laughs) What did you say? (laughs) What are you eating? Okay, I am obsessed with these new Chipotle barbecue kettle chips. Will you share? I would have, but they are all gone. Where'd you get them? Thrive Market. Oh, how much do we love Thrive Market? I could record an entire podcast about that topic. You know who else loves Thrive Market? Patches. She loves the surf and turf meaty littles from the Honest Kitchen. I love that Patches has a surf and turf situation going on. (laughs) From pets to kids to grown-ups, everyone can find things they love at Thrive. Thrive Market is my go-to for all my grocery and household essentials. And the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to my doorstep is a huge time saver. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and I can use their on-site filters to suit my lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with a few clicks. And as a Thrive Market member, I save money on every single grocery order. On average, I save over 30% each time. They even have a deals page that changes daily and always has some of my favorite brands. David, how much did you save on your last order? I saved $32. I saved over $12.67. How much did Patches save? (laughs) A lot. She's ordering more than I am. You got me hooked on ordering frozen foods. I got salmon, bacon, and pork this month. Something else I love is when you join Thrive Market, you're also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. I love that too. Save time and money and shop Thrive Market today. Go to thrivemarket.com slash RBG for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash RBG. Thrivemarket.com slash RBG. Sissy, we've been talking a lot about the Explorer Bible for Kids around here lately. Yes, we have. That's because it's such an incredible tool for kids to engage with God's Word. I mean, let's face it. With everything else kids have to distract them, it's going to take a pretty special Bible to grab their attention. It is true. I wish all kids knew just how much the Bible can positively impact their lives. But that's something they have to learn the more they grow to love it. Right. But they can't grow to love God's Word unless they read it. 
And that's why we're so excited about the Explorer Bible for Kids. Exactly. The Explorer Bible is more readable and has so many engaging elements right within the pages. Fun facts, timelines, photos. And the QR code that opens up even more fun, like videos and coloring pages. This Bible is really so much fun. What's even more fun? Our listeners can get 50% off using our special discount code. Buy your copy of the Explorer Bible for Kids today at LifeWay.com and get 50% off using code RBG. Jamie, what is one thing you've learned through that journey that you would say to parents who are considering adoption? Early on, I had this very Pollyanna-esque view of forming a family this way. And there's this embarrassing, very savior-esque complex that I probably would have categorized myself as, as that 27-year-old girl, of just this idea of, I have everything in the world to give this child. I'm going to rescue them for whatever life they might have had. And it's tricky because realities are, two of my children were in a third world country. So they do have more advantage here. They have more options for life here. But I don't look at the same way as I did probably as a 27-year-old girl anymore. I think that puts a lot of pressure on kids to grow up in homes where the parents might have this, whether spoken or unspoken, like, I saved you. Don't you know that? Like, you'd be nothing without me. Mm. And I don't think parents are saying that, but you can make that assumption and feeling. And so I think looking back, man, if I were to talk to myself then, I would tell myself that, like, love doesn't solve all problems. Mm. Love is awesome, but love does not solve all problems. And that is a lie that I believed for a long time. And I think I would have told myself to read and read and listen and listen and investigate and investigate and just care about ideas from other people. Like, And what I mean by that is to not just hear from adoptive families, but also hear from adoptive children and to also hear Mm. from birth parents and just to kind of hear all sides to the thing to the little adoption triad so it wouldn't be so self-centered. I mean, I look back and you guys, I'm like a public confessor, which is like, I just hope I make somebody feel like they're not as bad as me. But I look back and I think to myself, man, it was a lot about you at the beginning, Jamie. And that's embarrassing to say, but it can't stay that long for very long and to have a healthy, happy family. And so I kind of had to learn that the hard way. And I don't mean that I was like, oh, I want these children to make me complete. Maybe I felt that way. I don't know. The church at that time was really elevating adoptive families. This is a longer conversation, and I'm going to let you guys get to your next question. But one of the things that I felt was not the best thing for families in that moment is there was a lot of like, everyone adopt. If you're a Christian, you should adopt. Go adopt. Okay, you have your children. Okay, now we're on to the next thing. And and we just, some of us were left kind of going, wait, 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 wait. Like, you told us to do this. And now my child needs help and I need help. And this is, you know, just trauma upon trauma for everyone's life. And so I would learn more. I wouldn't have just walked in thinking, you know what? I'm a Christian, so I should adopt. Mm -hmm. I think I would have had a different idea. That's so interesting because as you were answering that in the beginning, it reminded me of a family that we have known here. I don't remember how many kids they have. It's like nine. I mean, it's an insane amount of children. Mm -hmm. And I think... Four or five of them, at least, are adopted. And I remember specifically her saying, there are two things I've learned on this journey. One is love is not enough. Mm -hmm. 
Which is exactly what you just said. And she said, the other is what works with one does not work with the next. 100%. Yeah. And you think you know that. Like, of course, that's probably the same with biological kids as well. Right. But you're just having so many more complexities come into the picture. And I think another thing, you guys, I remember there was this moment when after my son came home, I went from like two kids to four kids in three months, two of those kids coming home from a third world country with, there's a lot of dynamics that go into play there. And I remember at one point I was just like, this is so hard. And I was like, I'm struggling. It was me centric, right? Mm -hmm. Me, this is hard on me. This is so hard. Oh my gosh, give me a break, Jamie, but all the things. And then I had this moment where I think I was looking at my son and I thought to myself, have you thought at all, Jamie, about how hard this might, like this makes me cry because I can't believe it. Have you thought at all how hard this might be for him? Like he's four and a half. He'd ask for this life. Like he didn't ask for any of this. And man, God just really threw me up against a wall almost of feeling like, have you thought how hard this must be for a child? And that really changed me forever. But I think that was a moment that I needed to walk through to go like, oh, like, Again, love is not going to solve all these problems and love is not enough. Like we need extra help and all the things. And Mm. it was a good moment for me. It's kind of like you look back and you're like, man, I can't believe I actually was that person. But Mm. we know better. We do better. You know, that's what we do. Mm. Exactly. Are there any resources you discovered that you loved that you would point parents to that have adopted or considering? Well, number one, you guys are going to love what I'm about to say, but I always tell parents as soon as you bring a child home via adoption, do not wait for some red flag. You have got to get into counseling. Mm. You don't wait for anything for your child, for you, for your family. And I wish that we would have really held on to that tighter at the beginning. We just thought, oh, you know, like we can handle this for the sake of your kids. I mean, just to help them. Like it is such a help. That's been a really good help because of my job. I always think because I get to talk to so many amazing people like you guys and just everything, I've grown so much in just hearing different voices. And so I always say like, it's really good to hear different voices. And yes. and I'm going to say something that could be controversial. Like, man, it helps me even to hear voices that I don't agree with sometimes about adoption. Mm. Yes. You know, I mean, that's a help for me. There are a lot of children who were adopted that have a lot of complex emotions. And some of them are really hard for me to hear as an adoptive mom, but I think they're really helpful for me to hear them as well, even if they make me feel uncomfortable and even if I don't agree with them fully all the way. So I would just say like, man, surround yourself with voices that might even make you feel uncomfortable sometimes. Yes, that's so good. Well, speaking of that kind of thing, you and your kids were a part of an amazing conversation with Emmanuel Acho on his show, Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. Yeah. What would you say you have learned about parenting kids from another race? Oh, yeah. And that conversation was very uncomfortable. Mm. But what an honor that we got to do that. Like, I just can't believe he invited us. It was so gracious of him. And I was so proud of my kids. I mean, I was beaming with pride when we left there because it was uncomfortable for them as well. I think this is where I have probably learned the most is parenting kids. Three of our kids are black, and then my husband and I are both white. And the dynamics of that, especially in maybe the last six years, have been even more difficult. We live in a smaller town. I mean, it's not terribly small, but it's predominantly white. Mm -hmm. And so that complexity has been something where I have had to present so much humility as a mom because sometimes as parents, 
you do know a million times more than your kids for a lot of reasons. You're older. You've lived more life. Like, been here, done that. You know what I mean? Like, there is a lot of maturity that we have that our 14-year-olds clearly do not have. (laughs) But I've honestly had to lay down a lot of humility in the fact that the thing is that I have no experience being black. I have no experience being a minority. I have no experience feeling uncomfortable in most of my settings of my life. And so the humility that I've had to kind of come to the table with is talking to my kids who are black is like, I have zero idea what you're feeling. I have no idea what this feels like. And so for me, I have zero advice for you because I advice is like, oh, I've been there, done that, I understand it. So for me, it's like, man, how do I get people into their life that do understand it? How do I spend time, again, going back to what we talked about with adoption, who am I listening to in my life? And again, I've had this amazing privilege of talking to some amazing black leaders on my podcast. And it's been so helpful for me just as a follower of Jesus and then as a mom. And so I think for any parent out there that's parenting a child of a different race is really first confessing and admitting, I don't know what it feels like to be a black American, Asian American, Latino, whatever it might be. And then saying, I don't know, but I'm willing to be a student. Like I'm willing to even learn from you. Like I'm willing for you to tell me about your experience. And this is really big because a lot of parents do not do what I'm about to say. Tell me about your experience and then I'm going to believe you. Mm. Because sometimes their experience doesn't feel real to us because we've never experienced it. And I honestly... I've never, ever had an experience of being uncomfortable around someone in power or or something, but my children have. And so for me to be like, are you sure? Like, really? That is totally taking away from their experience. And so that's something I'm constantly thinking about. Like, how I want to believe them, believe their experience, because even if you don't understand it. Mm, That's so good. Yeah. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Yes, for the samples, because seasonal allergies are no joke in the state of Tennessee. Or Kentucky, where I spend the summers at Hopetown. I spend most of the summer outdoors and could not function without allergy relief. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available. Relieve sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. You just described my exact state in waking up minus the need for coffee. (laughs) I've been taking Claritin D for my allergies for years, and it's been an absolute life changer. I can be outside with the kids at camp without my eyes watering like a fountain, and I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. But at Hopetown, a frog could jump into your boat or your bed, and Claritin can't really help with that. That's true, but they've got allergies covered. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Sissy, I'm considering getting my own show on the Food Network. Well, this is news to me. You can be a guest on Taco Tuesdays. 
I do have a lot to contribute to Taco Tuesdays. Yes, you do. I'm curious at what point you made this decision about your own cooking show. Since every plate started sending boxes to my front door, I can't get over how good I'm getting at this. Sissy, I made roasted garlic Dijon butter steak last night. Did you catch all that? (laughs) Roasted garlic Dijon butter steak. What did Connie say when you served that? She said, why didn't you cook like this for the first 25 years we were married? (laughs) And the only answer I had to that question was because I didn't know about every plate. Every plate changes the game, David. I just made barbecue pineapple pork bowls. They were delicious. You can cook that meal on my show. (laughs) I might just have to do that. I have tried other meal plans, but every plate is the most affordable and delicious option out there. Get your first box for just $1.49 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code RBG149. Jamie, we talk a lot on this podcast about how parents who are on the same page can create so much security for kids. And you and your husband have written two books on marriage. Will you talk a little bit about the importance of those books, why you wrote them, and what you've learned about the intersection of marriage and parenting? Yeah, Aaron and I are big fans of marriage, not because we think it is ultimate and not because we think it is ideal, not because we think it's God's best, like the people that are married got the better end of the deal. We think it's a gift from God, and we happen to be married, and so we love our marriage, and we happen to be parenting four kids, like we've said. (laughs) I remember when Aaron and I, before we even had kids, like right after we were early married, he got a phone call from someone he went to college with, and that person told him that his parents were getting a divorce. And here I am, newly married, young, 23 years old, and I thought to myself, wait, they spent 25 years together and then they decided to get a divorce. Newlywed Jamie was like, I don't even, my brain cannot even comprehend that. Now, 21 years married Jamie, I'm like, I know exactly how that happens. And it's crazy that you're like, oh, I know how that happened. Mm. And I remember at the moment thinking then, it was right after their last kid went to college and like everything kind of changed when there. And Aaron and I kind of made this commitment that we've brought up a lot over the years is, We want to put our marriage first above everything. And so what that means is like Aaron comes first before my four children. And that has been a commitment that we've had for the entire 18 years of parenting. What that means is we have a weekly date night. I don't care what's happening. You know, we're going to go out every single week. And, you know, guys, in the beginning, it was like I needed that weekly date night for sanity. Now, honestly, it's like, man, I just need to know that I've got someone on the same team here. Like I need to have a meeting, go over our playbook and like really talk (laughs) through life because this is hard. Our life is way harder and more complex now than it was when we had little kids. But we've just really felt like we have got to nurture that or else when it gets hard with parenting, that's going to be unstable. And I'll tell you, we've had some of our hardest years of parenting in the last two years. Aaron and I were on a walk the other day and I had told him something, and again, the story's irrelevant, but I had told him something about how I was feeling, and he responded in a way that was good. And this was all about parenting, so it goes with your question. And I looked at him, and I said, man, thanks a lot for just having empathy for how I was feeling, even though I know I was, like, kind of overreacting. 
And it was in that moment that I thought, man, all of those dialogues that we've had, all of me saying, hey, this is what I need from you, all of the like, I'm sorry, I should have done it this way by both of us. In that moment, when I probably made a poor parenting decision, I still was able to be like, oh, we're on the same team here. Mm. We can have a conversation about this. You can show empathy. I can show grace. We can both show forgiveness. I never really understood how important our marriage would be later on in these parenting of teenagers years because it's just been a hard parenting season by no means fault no one's like crazy everything's fine but it's just hard <laughs> you guys yes and i am so grateful that Aaron and i have been on the same page now all that to say for anyone that's listening 2020 was our hardest year of marriage ever i mean and that's listen dave you talk about us writing a book we turned in our manuscript like april of 2020 and it's like this is a disaster lord what have you done with us wow mm. it was COVID. who didn't have a hard 2020 right. and so it was just really particularly hard on our marriage and that was the first time we'd had a hard marriage But man, I'm grateful for that on the other side of it because here we are still on the same team, Mm -hmm. still parenting through hard situations and really still trying to learn to love each other best as well. Thank you. Yes. Thanks for your honesty and all of that. Well, we like to end with something fun. And this is really fun to get to ask you because being a Texan, you have a PhD in this next question. So we want to talk about tacos. <laughs> and if we could share one with you, and we hope we can in the near future, what kind of taco would we get to enjoy with you? What's your favorite? Well, this is exciting because I had some friends in town recently who had never heard of this taco. And so now I'm going to see if you guys have heard of this taco. Ooh! Although you have Ladybird Taco there in Nashville now. I feel like they're bringing a little bit of Texas tacos to Tennessee. They are. Migas. Have you had a Migas taco before? I've heard of them. I've never had one. I've never had one either. Tell us about it. (gasps) Okay, so you come to Austin. That's what I want you to have, Miga's Taco. And I think what sets Miga's apart is that it has little tortilla strips in it. So it's really just like scrambled eggs, cheese, tortilla strips, probably some peppers. It's my favorite taco and my favorite place to get them if you're in Austin is Veracruz. So you guys come to Austin. That's what we'll have. We need to write that down. Yes, we do. Veracruz. Okay. Okay. I hope we'll be there soon. Me too. Jamie, there really are so many things that you have done that we could talk about. I feel like we could spend five hours talking about each of your books, each podcast, and how it's different, but would love to hear kind of what you would want to highlight, and is there something you're working on now that you're super excited about and you would want to share with folks? Last fall, my son just started his senior year, and I had this moment of like, I've taught him nothing. I'm a terrible mom. I have six months left. (laughs) It was kind of like I had this thought of like, I've got to do it all, which none of those things are true. But this is what happens to parents when their kids start their senior year. We just kind of freak out. (laughs) But as I got kind of moving into the senior year, I thought to myself, we're launching kids. And Aaron and I always say, man, we really are concerned about creating good men and women who love Jesus in the world and not like awesome 16-year-olds because – Teenagers are just hard and they're moody and they're weird and you never know what's happening with them. (laughs) So we're like, okay, our goal is like a Jesus-loving 25-year-old. Anyhow, so my friend Lisa Whittle, who she's already launched her three kids, we're like, man, let's have a podcast. And I'll tell you what, you guys, we recorded that toward the end of the school year that my son was a senior. And we recorded, I don't know, eight episodes or something. And and we really come at it as like, we're just two moms. But it was really interesting because it was all about mothering and – I love being a mom. I love it so much, but it's really hard work for me. Being a mom's hard. And mm. I think some people would be like, I'm the best mom in the world. I know it. I'm awesome. And I'm like, I don't even know if my kids like me. You know, like I just kind of beat myself up about motherhood. Mm. And so talking through that launch stuff was really special for me because it was just this moment to be like, 
You guys, raising kids is hard. It is so hard. And I just want to be another mom going, I believe in you. Like, we can do this. Like, we've got Jesus. We've got the Holy Spirit. We've got community. We've got help. And let's just give our kids the best that we possibly can and really trust that God is in control. And so that podcast, although it was really hard for me because I felt super emotional after every episode because I was like, oh, this is so hard. I'm really, really proud of it. And I hope it's going to be an encouragement to other mamas and dads out there. Uh, I'm so grateful for the timing of it. We have talked often about how just in counseling, we have never seen parents as weary and discouraged as we have in the last year. And so the fact that y'all are launching that now where parents can kind of regain a sense of hope and a sense of normalcy that it is hard for everyone. And you may think you're knocking it out of the park when they're five, but wait till they hit (laughs) 15 or so. You know, it's just hard at some juncture for everyone. Yes. So thank you for your honesty in that too. Where could folks find all your stuff, Jamie? Yes. Books, podcasts, all the things. The easiest place is just jamieivy.com. Everything is going to be there, podcasts and books and everything that I have going on is over there at jamieivy.com. Okay. That's so fun. Perfect. Jamie, thank you. It's just wonderful to get to see your face even on the screen. Thank you, guys. hear your heart for your kids and for other folks and just wanting to share so much truth and hope, as you you do constantly. So we are very grateful for you. Yes, we are. It's our joy to bring the experience and insight we gain through our work beyond the walls of the Daystar House. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share it with your friends. And don't forget to click the follow button in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. To learn more about our parenting resources or to see if we're coming to a city near you, visit our website at RaisingBoysAndGirls.com. Join us next time for more help and hope as you continue your journey of raising boys and girls.